really great to hear the kids going to, <laughs> we have kids again, and uh, that's wonderful, and opportunities for the kids, and that's, that's great, and I, hopefully we continue to move in that direction, uh, to be able to open up more and more as the time goes by. Uh, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 12, I read this last week, but uh, this is kind of the second half of the sermon from last week, and then also a continuation of our study through Romans. This is the 19th uh, part in this series. Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 12, I'm going to go read through verse 18. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and the members of your, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will not, not have dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone's as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you have obeyed, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I was a, uh, a new Christian, and I was challenged to read the New Testament right away by my mentor, who bought me a, a New Living Translation, which, is, which was easier for me to read than the Bible that I had, that we used to press flowers in as a... Uh, as a family, um, but never, never read uh, growing up, and uh, and so it was very interesting to me to, to follow the life of Christ and to read through those gospels. The next thing he challenged me to was to find a a Bible believing church that preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I found that in uh, in a little Baptist church up in Slippery Rock. Um, but to be honest with you, I was a little leery because. I was always told growing up never to go into a Protestant church or I might die. And, uh, and so I, I was treading on, on thin ice there and I ventured out. And to my amazement, I looked around and it was rather a plain church. There was really nothing on the walls. It wasn't like the church that I grew up with very ornate, overlaid with gold and uh, statues and, uh, you know, a place where you could light candles for a donation. Uh, there were no signs at the entrance of the church that talked about a bingo or a 50-50 raffle. There, were, there was no uh, holy water fountain for me to dip my hand and bless myself with the sign of the cross. But uh, what I did see on the back wall was a little confusing to me, having, having uh, read the New Testament, was this, this painting of Jesus, which was pasty white and overly meek Jesus. And he, it was... It was nothing like the, the Jesus that I had just read about. 
You know, and I, and I thought to myself, could this be the same Jesus that walked miles and miles in the desert heat? Uh, the same Jesus who spent nights in the wilderness? Could it be the same Jesus that was a carpenter? And, and knowing what we know now, they worked both with wood and with stone. Uh, usually they had muscular bodies and calloused hands and a strong back. Could this be the same Jesus that overturned tables and called the separation from the status quo religious elite? Could it be the same Jesus who said this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will save it. Strong words from a strong man and, uh, and actually the definition of strength. And I didn't see this in the painting representing my Lord, not this soft-skinned, rosy-cheeked Jesus. So perhaps the artist got it wrong, or perhaps the artist wanted to express the purity of Jesus, perhaps. But I wonder how often we ourselves are guilty of portraying the wrong picture or painting of Jesus what is in the minds of most people who don't know him? What do, the, what do they think of Jesus? What do they think and uh, what have they heard about Jesus? What do they see in other Christians who are followers of Christ? You know, Christianity is not for wimps, but for men and women who, by God's grace, are strong in faith and bold in character. The call to be a disciple of Christ is not for the faint in heart. And our loyalty and our service to Him is not to be split between two masters. For it was Jesus who said this, No one, no one can serve two masters. Either He will hate the one and love the other, or He will be devoted to the one and despise the other. We were reminded last week that sin can become such a master. Last week, uh, we were also reminded that, that, uh, the fact that he, that sin, excuse me, is a master of us is really illustrated that it sometimes reigns over us, sometimes it masters over us, sometimes it enslaves us. And Paul made it very clear that the one that you obey becomes the one that you're enslaved to. And so, uh, we are reminded of the question that just comes forth from that is, who is your master? Who is your master? Because if you're sitting there today and you are a believer, but somehow you feel some activity that you're involved in, you might be giving too much of a predominant role. But you're not quite sure, is this really enslaving me or not? Well, if you can answer the question, when you are doing this particular activity, who are you obeying? Because once again, the answer is telling. But the wonderful thing about being a Christian, and that we were reminded of even last week, putting your faith in Jesus frees you from the slavery of sin and of Satan, enabling you to serve God alone. And by the way, just saying, Jesus is my Lord, is not enough. There comes a time when you and I must show our allegiance to God and show some evidence that He, in fact, is the one whom we are serving. 
just as a matter of a quick review, the first two points, and, and, the, and the third point I'm going to bring forth today, but the, the first two points that we looked at last week is, if you truly are a follower of Christ, if you, if you by God's grace are serving Him, well, the person who is doing that does not let sin rule in their life any longer. In other words, uh, sin should no longer reign. Sin should no longer be king in your life. Sin should no longer be the master or lord of your life. Sin should no longer be the slave master. And, and by that, you are allowing um, Christ alone to be your Lord. Secondly, by God's grace, the one who serves Him does not put oneself in position to be tempted. Because you could say, well, I'm so, I am so, it's so easy for me to fall into temptation, but we put ourselves in places of temptation. Romans chapter 6, verse 13, the first part says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin and, uh, as instruments of righteousness. And remember that, that word offer there is, is, uh, the word, uh, peristemi, which really means to stand next to. <laughs> So we don't put our, we shouldn't put ourselves, we shouldn't stand next to temptation and expect not to be tempted. You know, they don't have AA meetings at a bar anywhere. It only makes sense. Uh, and we find out in, in chapter six what it means to put that old self to death, uh, that old master to death, and so that we're free to serve the, the one and only great master. And this means the, the individual does not offer one's body as a tool for sin. And if you are itching to disobey something, well, disobey temptation. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. All right, so last week we looked at what not to do. Today we're going to look at what we are to do as we serve God. Because Christianity is not just about what not to do, but also what to do. And by God's grace, the one who serves him also acknowledges God as their master by offering. And, and by the way, I'm going to share three primary ways that we can um, really serve uh, God as our master. And the first way really is offer, we uh, offer our will to God. We offer our will to God. That's fine. In Romans chapter 6, verse 13, and I'll put it up here. But rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. From death to life. That death is dying to self and dying to sin and dying to the control that Satan once had. And that takes us being completely broken by God and before God. We have to become contrite before Him. You are now ready for Him to put you back together and make you whole the right way. This is you uh, placing yourself on the altar and saying to God, use me, and He will. This is a very critical step for the child of God. And, and, and what you're doing is you're, you're saying, I am Offering myself. I'm not bringing a lamb. I'm not bringing money. I'm not bringing a sacrifice. I'm bringing myself. And it reminds me of, 
of what David had to do. Remember, he had to repent from many sins. And uh, Psalm 51 is a very penitent uh, psalm. Uh, and in that psalm, he reveals something. Uh, you do not delight in sacrifice, David says, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offering. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you do not despise. God wants us. He wants our heart. He wants our will. He wants us to yield to Him. And that allows that transformation to take place, that transformation that Barb was referring to earlier. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're not there yet, but we can be reminded of what we have to look forward to. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Offering yourselves to God is us coming to a point in our lives and saying, I am here as a sacrifice to you, O God. I am a living sacrifice. Every part of me, everything that you want to do, just do it through me. I'm sacrificing my will and my desires, what I like for what you want. I long for you. And this means us doing it willingly. You know, it's interesting. D.L. Moody humorously said, "Living the problem with living sacrifices is they can crawl off the altar. <laughs> and, uh, and we are tempted sometimes to say, oh, what did I get myself into? But it's a wonderful place to be on the altar of God as a living sacrifice. And so the application is us relinquishing your will completely to Him. That's what we need to do. We need to relinquish our will completely to God. Here I am. And by the way, when you do this, when you just offer your, your, your whole being over to God... There, there, that kind of ends complaining and frustration because I'm not here to be content, but I'm here and I'm free to serve. We are willing slaves and willing slaves, they don't get to complain because we signed up for this. Secondly, to acknowledge God as our master, we should be offering one's body to God. And that's our physical body. Look at verses, uh, look at verse 13, the latter part, and it says this, and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. Let your hands, your feet, your mouth, all of you be used for God. All of our bodies are to be instruments of righteousness. You know, our bodies can get us into a lot of trouble. Or they can glorify God. It depends on how we use them. Uh, Self-control is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And 
that, that self-control that is gifted to us by the Holy Spirit allows us to tame this beast of ours because our flesh just wants to serve itself continually. Dick Purnell used to say, or use the expression, down flesh, <laughs> when, when he was tempted. And, uh, and that's because apart from the Holy Spirit's control, our flesh is like a beast <laughs> that we possessed. And so we each have a divine longing to be used by God. The gifts that he has given us are inside of us, and they're just <laughs> dying to get out to be used because they are uh, spiritual, and, and the Holy Spirit is calling them forth. And so we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to uh, not use the gifts that he has given us. Uh, and uh, those spiritual gifts many times use our physical body. And if you feel like your body is not being used to serve God, then uh, then perhaps you just need to spend a time in prayer before God and just allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any sin that is in your life and then simply ask for forgiveness for that sin and ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Give me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew a right spirit in me. Because we want to be clean vessels. We want to be clean instruments. We want these bodies to be cleansed by Him and able to use. And God, like a good surgeon, won't use dirty instruments. But He wants us to be cleansed and He will cleanse us. And so the application for us is to use the members of our bodies to serve God and to serve others that He instructs us to serve. Lord, use my hands today. Use my feet, my mouth, my mind, my eyes. My body is here for you to use for your good purpose. Are the parts of your body under the control of the Holy Spirit? What does this mean? What what will this look like? Well, I don't know. It depends on what the Holy Spirit is instructing you to do. As you're quiet before, say, Lord, what, what would you do and, and you remember your giftedness. You remember the abilities even that he's given you. Maybe it means bringing a meal to somebody. Maybe it means driving over. Uh, I don't know with this COVID if you can do this or not, but just to go visit somebody or wave through the window or do whatever you can. Allow your ears to be able to listen to somebody. Don't do all the talking, but hear from others who are in need. Let your eyes become the eyes of Christ where you see the needs and you respond Go to where God directs you. Are your eyes serving God or are they serving sin? You see, your eyes can be used for good or for evil. What are you setting before your eyes? I had a friend named Gary, and Gary had profound cerebral palsy. His body was racked with involuntary spasms. His hands were distorted. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't toilet himself. But he had a perfectly normal mind. He came to Christ through a woman that Linda and I were able to lead to Christ. And I remember him saying over and over again with every visit, follow-up visit I did with him, he said, Dan, I don't know how God can use me. And he would be saying that, and his his arms would be flailing. And he said, how could he ever use this body 
Well, God had given him a brilliant mind, and you know what he would do? For hours, and I mean hours, he would go to God in prayer for other people. I believe that Gary was moving mountains (laughs) sitting in a wheelchair. His biggest frustration, he would say, after three or four hours, sometimes he would fall asleep. (laughs) When was the last time you fell asleep after hours of prayer? For some people, it only takes about ten minutes, and they're, they're out. I think of what Gary would do if he could. What are you doing with your body, able-bodied as you are? Thirdly, we acknowledge God as our master by being obedient to him, by being obedient to God. And that final part of verse 16 says, obedience which leads to righteousness. Someone might say, I just wish I knew what God wanted me to do, and I would do it. Well, let me ask you the question, where can you go to find the will of God that he wants you? Uh, Where do you find out what God wants you to do? Well, we know that we can spend time in his word. And if you're daily in the word, it's like the Lord speaks to you through uh, the word and and shows you what to do. you have to become silent before him and listen in prayer. Sometimes we just all talk in prayer and instead of just meditating on God or on his word. And guess what? He speaks to your heart. But when he does speak to you and he shows you what he wants you to do, do it. Obey him. I'm reminded of a story of King Saul. Remember in the Old Testament, he was disobedient to the Lord. The Lord had... Uh, commanded him to kill all of the livestock of the enemy. <clears throat> and he was, he was supposed to wipe out every animal, but he didn't. And so God sent Samuel, the prophet, to him to dish out his penalty. And so as he visiting Saul, he said, you were supposed to wipe out every living thing. And Saul said, we did. We, we did do that. In the background you hear, Mah. So did you hear something? No, it's just the door. It's creaking. You know what I hear? Samuel says, that certainly sounds like the bleeding of sheep to me. Oh, oh, that sheep. Oh, that's... Well, actually, with that sheep, what we were going to do with that sheep and the other sheep behind that sheep, we were going to sacrifice those to the Lord. And... Samuel's uh, famous uh, response and, and the word of God clearly speaking to our hearts, he says this, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in the obedience of the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. God doesn't want our self-justification. He doesn't want our religion or songs of worship if they're not genuine. What he does want is our obedience. Well, anyone who's raised children understands there's obedience and then there's obedience. (laughs) 
There's that e eventual obedience, and then there's that immediate obedience. Linda and I always tried to reward immediate obedience. Because you would tell a kid, go down to the car in the front seat and get those papers and bring them up. Well, I'm going out there to play ball a little later. I'll, I'll, I'll do that then. Well, no, I need them <laughs> right now. Well, why don't you just get them? <laughs> you know the wrong answers that the kids give it. Well, why do I have to run all the dumb errands all the time? You never ask so-and-so to do, you know, and then you have all this craziness going on. And what we would really want is just that media. Just do what I ask you to do. I think of that, and I think how many times has God instructed me or shown me to do something, and I haven't done it. Sometimes things are difficult. God shows you, hey, you need to forgive this person over here, <laughs> Lord, you don't know what he's done. <laughs> I think I do. And you need to forgive him. I've already forgiven him. You need to share with this individual, Lord, I don't have anything myself. This is what I want you to do. And you find yourself giving money to individuals or giving money to missions or giving money to this need as the Lord instructs you. And we need to do that immediately. And so the, the application is that that immediate obedience. We need to obey quickly, quickly. And so if you remember the, the question that was asked at the beginning of chapter 6, right? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? <laughs> may it never be. Well, that, that's basically repeated again in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Paul says, Meganointa, may it never be. Should we, should we keep disobeying God is the question and let him continue to spread his grace? No way. No way. Obeying God is not a kind of slavery. I think sometimes we look at it like God's just barking out orders and we're, he's like the slave master and we're the slaves. But the, the exciting thing about the instructions from God, the commands from God, is that our obedience helps us. He's, he's laid out those laws and the commands for us so that we can be free within those guidelines that he's given us and have true freedom, not enslavement. His commands are good for us. It's not like God is up there, I'll make, a, here's a command, haha, you didn't do it. I knew you wouldn't do it, and I'm just going to make you trip up. He doesn't say, here's a pile of stones, and take that pile of stones, move it over here. Oh, yeah, and by my, just a whim, go ahead and move them back now. I didn't really like them over there. He's not doing that. Satan is that kind of master. He forces us to do things for his pleasure, at our expense and the expense of people around us. Sin was your master at one time. But I love verse 17. But thanks be to God. He's like, thank you, God. Though you used to be slaves of sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You see the, the remarkable transformation there. You were this way. You were driven by sin. You were slaves to sin. But now, you just kind of threw that all away, and you wholeheartedly held on and obeyed to the form of teaching to which we entrusted. 
you were entrusted, excuse me. There's a saying that obedience is our greatest freedom. Obedience to God is our greatest freedom. You see, when when you obey, you're you're getting God's best for you. He doesn't want to he doesn't want you to stay stuck in sin's clutches. As believers, we have been set free. When you are working for the king, the true king, God as king, you sense the greatest freedom to be all that he created you to be. Verse 18 says you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. Let me ask you this morning, are we giving our all to the master we are serving? We are called to give our lives as living sacrifices. Are you ready to do this? Are you ready to do what God leads you to do, no matter what the consequences are? Would you die for the Lord? Jesus was no wimp, and nor shall we be. What view of Jesus are the people around you seeing by the life that you're living? I think many times we spend a lot of time on things that are worthless. William Morrell, back in 1911, wrote a song, Rise Up, O Man of God. (laughs) And I love that first verse that says, Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Anything that we do serving the prince of this world is lesser things. Anything we just do out of selfish desire are lesser things. Anything we even do with good attentions away from the heart of God are lesser things. Let's get involved in kingdom work and let's let other people see the true picture of Christ. Let's get our hands dirty. It's okay to get your hands dirty. It's right to get your hands dirty. And so putting your faith in Jesus frees you from that enslavement to sin and to Satan, and it enables you to serve God and serve Him alone. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. It is so rich, it is deep, it is challenging to us. Lord, allow us just to relax into Your into Your grace. Let us lean into Your grace. Let us be filled afresh with your Holy Spirit, that you would show us and you would guide us and you would direct us and you would you would let us move at the impulse of your will, not our own. Use these bodies of ours, frail as they are, uh, old as they are, challenged as they are, Lord, use us to serve you. And Lord, as you instruct us, Let us serve one another while we're serving you. Let us serve those who are hard to serve, difficult to serve. Lord, we want to be obedient to you. We want to put our will on the altar. May your will be done. May your kingdom come.
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.